and welcome back to the Coffee and Heroes podcast. Uh, once again, I'm your host, Alan, owner and operator of Coffee and Heroes in Smithfield Market, uh, just behind Castle Court in Belfast. So we've got a little bit of a change up today for the podcast. I'm sure you're a little bored just listening to my voice. So we, uh, we actually have a guest today, you know, all being well. Could be the first of, of many. Uh, so I'm going to introduce you now to James, and he'll tell us a little bit about himself and what he enjoys about comics and movies and so forth. Hi. Well, good morning, first of all. Morning. Yes, morning. Uh, beautiful morning, sort of. <laughs> beautiful weather in Belfast, as always. <laughs> Standard. Yes, so uh, I'm James, as Alan said, and um, I review films on a regular basis. So uh, pretty much been doing it now for a couple of years, and it's, you know, my kind of layout is just pretty casual. You know, I record myself in my car most of the time. Me and a few friends do it. Uh, we started back in 2015, 2016. I just kind of took off from there, really. So yeah, um, you can find me on YouTube under uh, James Oliver Film Reviews. I'm the guy who looks like Patrick Bateman in the <laughs> Halloween costume. Yeah, um, I've only recently started doing it on YouTube. I used to just use my own Facebook profile. So if you watch the only free videos I have and think, well, this guy's awful, that's fine. But uh, you know, I'm getting better. So yeah. Well, clearly <laughs> worth checking out because you've good taste in movies. Uh, any reference to American Psycho is good for me. So yeah. great book as well. Absolutely oh, yeah. wonderful Fantastic. book. Fantastic. Um, yeah, so what, what we've done, uh, as I said, I've brought James in because he's a bit more of a, uh, a film uh, buff and, and uh, he, does, he does read comics, he enjoys that side of things, but I think his focus is more on movies, which will give us a nice sort of counterbalance. Obviously, I'm much more invested in the comic side of things. Um, I think it's also good as well, just when we're starting out, obviously this is your first introduction to James and uh, the first time we're recording something like this. So what I thought we'd do is chat about our top three superhero movies, first of all. Uh, obviously everybody has their opinions you know everyone's very tribal about these sort of things DC Marvel it's Taylor's oldest time <laughs> I mean when it comes to me I think overall in terms of a universe Marvel is leagues ahead they're 100%. massively ahead yep. long term planning one person at the head of it yep. controlling it Kevin Faggy, mm -hmm. and with DC it's just muddled there's too many voices too many cooks spoiling the broth all that cliches and all the rest yep but as a counterpoint to that, what I would say is, and again, this is probably the fanboy in me, but I think <laughs> individually DC have made better movies. Um, I don't think Marvel have reached the level of The Dark Knight. Anyone who's been in the store has heard me wax lyrical about this movie on numerous <laughs> occasions. You know, with The Dark Knight, I saw it in the cinema seven, eight times. Wow. Three different countries. I, I lived in Australia <laughs> for a while. I saw it in the IMAX over there. I saw it in London. I saw it in Belfast. <clears throat> I just think it was a movie that just completely transcended the genre. It was a great crime movie. It was a great action movie. It had pathos. It had character development. It had consequences. This, this is something, and I'll, I'll get your opinion on this in a second, James, but <laughs> this is something that bugs me about Marvel movies. There don't seem to be a lot of consequences for the heroes. Um, and I think that's best summed up by Civil War, where they made it out that Rhodey was going to be killed or there was going to be some big death. And by the end of the movie, he's crippled. But by the very end of the movie, he's walking again. So there, it just seemed like no consequences to me. Yeah. Um, obviously, I should say at this point as well, there will be spoilers the whole way through this. <laughs> so I hope you've seen these movies, guys. Uh, with The Dark Knight, for example, you know, when Rachel was killed in the middle of it, that just completely threw me off. Because you always expect the hero to get there to save the day. And, you know, and the fact that Are didn't happen. Uh, yeah, I think so. No worries. Cheers. 
So that's going to be a sort of some of our naturalistic. You can tell we're uh, recording this while the store's open. Uh, just like to introduce, that was uh, Wayne, our security guard at uh, Smithfield. I may be about to get the postman in in a second. This is a real behind-the-scenes sort of thing for you guys. <laughs> but uh, to try and get on a bit of, a bit of track again. Oh wait, here comes the postman. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause it there for a second. Okay, so there might be a little bit of a, a little jump there. Uh, I had just had the postman in, so uh, always getting deliveries in for the store, guys. You know, never stops. Um, yeah, just going back to what I was saying, the reason with the dark night for me, as I say, there was consequences. Uh, there was a real journey for the hero. You know, the hero's hounded out at the end as well. You know, sets up perfectly for the for what would inevitably become the the trilogy. Um, I mean, you've obviously seen The Dark Knight yourself, any, any Yeah, well, I mean, I would agree with you 100% on that. It set the bar tone for kind of what a superhero film should be, mm -hmm. you know, and it kind of did completely just make it its own thing. There's yet to be a superhero film, regardless of whether it's DC, Marvel, or anything that's else that's been put out there that's to match it, in my yeah. opinion. You know, it just, like you said, it was out there. The hero had consequences, the whole overall story had consequences. Or as you say, Marvel doesn't. I will agree with you on that. The likes of Civil War, again, yeah. you made a very good point. You know, this is a big story arc in the comic books. It's mm -hmm. absolutely huge. It's something that rips apart the entire universe for, you know, and shapes it as how we know it is today. And yet, oh, there's a couple of injuries and some scratches, but hey, it's all right. Everyone's out the other end. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's interesting is maybe with Infinity War, obviously there's a lot of rumors certain characters might not make it through. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing that you can try and work this out because of the real world situation because a lot of actors are coming to the end of their contracts. <laughs> so everyone's like, oh, they must be dying. But I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, it's obviously nice to have a long-term plan and have this build-up. But I just think in individual movies with Marvel, sometimes I feel slightly cheated because I want those consequences. I want the hero to suffer. I want them to come out the other end. That's what makes them special. And yet it just... And sometimes the majority of the time it just doesn't. Yeah, I mean they kill off their villains as well. That's another big thing, but we're not going to go into that. Um, <laughs> another time. Another time. Another time. But as a counterpoint to that, I mean my second favorite superhero movie is Captain America: Winter Soldier, and a lot of that comes from the fact that similar to The Dark Knight, it's not just a great superhero movie; it's just a great movie. Yeah. It's like a spy thriller made in the seventies. You know, the, the the presence of Robert Redford in it, I don't think is an accident. <laughs> you know, he specialised in those paranoid Washington-esque thrillers, you know, all the President's Men, all that kind of stuff. Um, now, I've had this discussion with a few people in store, and if you're listening, you know who you are. Um, I've always been more of a Captain America guy. Like, okay. I can't stand Tony Stark at all. And I know, controversial. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting because when the Marvel movies first came out, I loved Tony Stark. He was witty, he was funny, he had a devil-may-care attitude, he, he lived by his own rules. Yeah. But re-watching through them, he's an absolute... He just loves killing people. See the first Iron Man movie? He kills about 60 people. And again, I go back to consequences. It's hard to look at that as a hero to me. And people will say, oh, they're evil, oh, they're you know, generic henchmen, whatever. It doesn't matter. Like There's a part in Iron Man 1 where he flies into a city and there's five guys holding hostages and he just has these rockets come up. And I'm acting all this out, by the way. Um, and these rockets just shoot all five guys all at once. There's no attempt to defuse the situation. It's literally just, I'll kill these guys and it's fine. <laughs> really bugs me. And by the time you get the, the Civil War, and again, I've had this conversation in store, um, he's calling General Ross, sir. You know, this is the same Tony Stark that said, I've privatized world peace. You know, I'm, uh, you're not getting my tech. You're welcome, blah, blah, blah. And by Civil War, one woman gives him a sob story. When you're sa from saving the world, may I say, 
twice and you turn your back on everybody. Um, that's one of my problems with Civil War as well. I keep getting sidetracked here. Um, <laughs> but with Civil War, um, as you were saying, it's a massive comic arc. Yep. And in the comic book, you don't know whose side to be on. Whereas I thought in the movie, it was very clear. You're on Cap's side. Tony's acting out against these... I don't know. I mean, that, that's just my take on it. How about, how about I, you? Yeah, no, yeah. Again, I'd be very much with you on that one. Um, like you said, the whole, going back to the whole consequence thing, you know, it's, yeah, you know, he's all for it. He's all good. Tony Stark's having a wonderful day as per usual. One woman turns around, hands him a photo of her dead son mm-hmm. who was killed in... I'll say, spoiler, just in case you haven't seen it, Age of Ultron, <laughs> when they literally leveled an entire city. And he's like, oh, wow, maybe I have made some bad decisions in yeah. my life. It's like, really, Tony? You're not only getting that in yeah. now. You know, you know come for, on. Forget about the fact you created Ultron and created your own villain. <laughs> yeah, same, but it you know, took a woman that. to give you a sob story for you to go, well, actually, I should change my ways. I'm not even, like, fair enough, I get it as a normalized, like, civilian. But, you know, come on, not even Pepper to give you that. Yeah. It would have made a Someone bit close more to sense. You. Yeah, but, yeah. No. Um, that's a good point I never yeah. thought of that I mean obviously Pepper's been with all the movies and in this one she just seems to be distant from him yeah, she's, just, yeah. she's not in it but it's like <laughs> well, where's Pepper oh we're, we're having a break or whatever but yeah. that's a good point actually because if um, if she had a set it would have had so much more meaning as opposed to just a random person like yeah. could have been justified yeah it, it could have been written better you know And but that's not to disparage Civil War because there's so much to love in that movie yeah. but just that that key point always irked me a little bit Um, so yeah as I say that was kind of a discussion about Winter Soldier Um, but no with Winter Soldier I I remember the first time I saw it in the cinema and I kind of knew who the Winter Soldier was through reading the comics and stuff but I remember sitting there watching it and it was a packed theatre it was on a Friday night and see the moment where Cap throws the Winter Soldier over his shoulder and then the mask falls off and he turns around and it's Bucky there was audible gasps in the theatre I mean that's a great example of Marvel's long-term planning. You hadn't seen Bucky for three, four, five movies. But everyone still knew who he was. It wasn't like, who's that guy? Everyone knew. So that's, that's what I go back to with Marvel and their universe being yeah. so well thought out. Um, the action sequences in are superb. I mean, I don't think there's been a better action scene in a Marvel movie. And it's very small in terms of scope, but then Cap in that elevator. And he basically figures out they're all about to attack him and says, before we get started, does anyone want to get out? amazing sequence that ends with them all on the ground and then he just like kicks the shield catches it amazing just again goosebumps sort of moment you know (laughs) um yeah so that would be captain mark winter soldier my second and then my third favorite again i go back to dc and their individual movies for me wonder woman was just an absolute triumph it's it's easily well it's not easily the best of the dceu movies because i have a massive soft spot for batman v superman oh that's sinful (laughs) only only the extended edition, not the trailer, oh. which is what I call a theatrical cut. Okay, yeah. The extended cut, I'm going to be doing a commentary of the movie at some point soon because I get very fanboyish when I'm watching it. Uh, my other half laughs at me all the time because I'm shouting at the screen, why didn't people get this? This was amazing. Why didn't they release this? <laughs> uh, so I, I have a massive soft spot. It did make some mistakes. It's by no means perfect, but the extended edition is absolutely wonderful. Um, It'll never be on a par with Nolan's movies because those are just, again, a cut above. But there was lots that they got right. Um, But I'm going to try and not circle around to that uh, (laughs) and stick with Wonder Woman. Um, Yeah, Wonder Woman just, it seemed to come out of nowhere. No one expected it. Um, Similar to the bump that Black Panther got this year with being, you know, obviously, quote, the first black superhero movie. Um, (laughs) This was the first female-led one. And this is the one part, again, that DC got to before Marvel. You know, which... 
It's quite stunning, really. It is, because, you know, Marvel, obviously, they're not having Captain Marvel until, I think it's the latter half this year, early next year? I think early next year. Early next year. Yeah, they're filming at the moment, so... Yeah, so, you know, you have DC, for a change, beating Marvel to the punch by a significant number of years. Yeah. Um, For, you know, you were saying about Winter Soldier, your second pick for me, it would be the original Batman. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's, you know, Michael Keaton, just, you can't... Can't this is where we're going to fall out, just, yes. to, just to pre-warn you guys. I, you, you may hear some doors. I detest that movie for many reasons. but I, again, I, I just really enjoyed it. You know, it's, It was one of the first ones I ever watched. Yeah. You know, clearly because it was one of the first ones ever made. But mm-hmm. I remember having it on VHS. Yeah. And, you know, re-watching it years and so years So VHS, later. Kids, is a format that used to exist long before digital downloads. Yeah. For anyone born in the 90s, you'll understand. Anyone yeah. past that stage, no. It's just remember, be kind, rewind. Um, yeah, and it just had such a you know a dark scoop on yeah. it, more like a very gothic scoop on mm-hmm. it, you know, which is, um, I completely have drawn a blank, the director's name. on Tim that. Burton. There you go, Tim Burton. You know, and Probably was, because he hasn't made a good movie in about 10 years. He's too busy pumping out things like Alice in Wonderland. Nightmare Before Christmas. That's, well, I suppose that was about that, That's my yeah, point. Like, in the 90s, yeah. Tim Burton was immense, you know. Yeah. 80s, 90s, you know. Even though I don't particularly like those Batman movies, they're beautiful to look at. They're, they're so gothic. They're yeah, so well-designed. So good. You know, he did Beetlejuice. He did Nightmare Before Christmas. You know, that was when he was on a real roll. But I just think in the latter part, and another again, another regular's going to hit me for saying this, but <laughs> similar to Johnny Depp, you know, in the 90s and early 2000s, he was easily the most interesting actor in Hollywood. Yeah. And now he just pumps out stuff with Tim Burton that's just well beneath, well beneath him or Angelina Jolie but we'll not talk about that one <laughs> the that tourist one. we'll yes. talk about the tourist with <laughs> fat Johnny Depp uh, uh, yeah, Wonder Woman as you were saying yeah again I completely agree with you on that one um, yeah it was just it was like you know Patty Jenkins did something really special with it yeah. and I think it was something that not a lot of people were expecting it you know you were like okay Gal Gadot okay yeah seems a good pick yeah. again whenever I first heard like because I was like you know I've never heard this actress before where did you pick her up? Oh, she started in a fast and furious, dear God. Yeah. I, I was like, oh, wow, this, this might go south in a hurry. Um, but no, I was really surprised by it, and I, I loved it. Yeah. My mates <clears throat> liked it, didn't have so much love for it as I did, but I just thought it was something really special. Yeah. The fact that Patty Jenkins didn't get an Oscar nom for it this yeah, year. Yeah, I was very surprised really, by that. Really put out there um, yeah. when the likes of... Okay, I get it, superhero films, you know, do they really live up to it? But yeah, the Oscars this year... I watched it, sat up, watched it. It was dominated by talk of, you know, Black Panther, you know, Patty Jenkins. You know, it was dominated, like, Jimmy Kimmel in his opening monologue gave a whole big rant about Black Panther, how it literally beat every single film nominated in the yeah. weekend. And it's like, and yet you don't give any kind of yeah, nominations was, for it at all. But, you know. There, there does know. seem a real reluctance in Hollywood's part to sort of acknowledge the cultural significance of these movies because yeah, similar again I'd go back I think Winter Soldier was easily deserving of a little nom that year yeah, I thought it definitely. was as I say when you've got Robert Redford I still can't believe to this day Robert Redford was in a Marvel movie um, <laughs> like he, he's classic golden age Hollywood of you course know? Yes. and there he is you know giving a great performance in a great movie but yeah, with Patty Jenkins, I, w- I was so shocked that there was no, no love for Wonder Woman. Like, not even a nomination. No, like, you not know? even, a, like, a hint that it's, oh, it's in the running. It, yeah. was just, it just didn't happen. Like, was there any better scene in any movie in the last year than the No Man's Land scene? No. You know, the only thing I will say is they missed an opportunity with it. And here's my writer's head on. Mm-hmm. See, just before she climbs up the ladder, where she's obviously, I'm going to help these people, I'm going to get across. Um, <clears throat> Steve Trevor says to her, no man has ever crossed here. She really should have just said, I'm no man. 
and went up the ladders. But that's my rider's head. Uh, but that scene was almost cut from... This gives you an indication of how badly Warner Brothers and DC's run. That scene was nearly cut. Really? It was left to the end of the filming schedule. And apparently the, um, the head of Warner Brothers knew this was going to be an expensive scene. So he said, you need to cut that from the movie. And Patty Jenkins has gone on record saying she threatened to leave the movie if that scene was not put in the movie. Now, that movie would not have been half as powerful without that 15-minute sequence. No. Everything from going across no man's land to into the village. I mean, yeah. as I say, it was, it was absolutely stunning. Uh, you know, and same again, you, know, you could hear audible gasps in the theatre the first time you saw it. And, you know, it's, it's something we'll never be able to experience. But just imagine yeah. being like a little eight-year-old girl and going and seeing Wonder Woman. How that can be culturally significant and rewarded and acknowledged is beyond me. Yeah, you and know? yet in Justice League though, right? So in Wonder Woman, you had you know the Amazonian woman, you know they weren't sexualized in any way. It was you know full power armor. Yeah, you know, they're doing their stuff. And then Justice League, you had them wearing barely anything at all. And it's like, right now I, I don't you know it's you know what I mean. It's like mm. I'm not one for being you know obviously not sexist or anything. Like I'm just saying in general though, it's you know if kids came across like right why are you trying to do this now you know mm-hmm. there's no need for it I, I don't know maybe it's just me but personally you know they're wearing like barely anything now and you're like and when did you just decide to give up your gear and be like ah you know feel feel like wearing something lighter today you know it's just I think there'll be a further discussion on Justice League at some point um, but yeah as I say I mean obviously with, with our conversation we're rambling on a little bit I mean just to um, clarify for me my top three superhero movies were Dark Knight Captain America, Winter Soldier, and Wonder Woman. Obviously, you, you sneaked in a little bit there about Batman 89. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would your other ones be? Uh, the other one, yeah. So, my top three, you know, Dark Knight, Batman 89, and third one, uh, the original Avengers. Um, yeah. I'd, you know, you'd waited for it for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. You'd saw all the pieces fit in, and it finally came together. Just yeah. like now, we've been waiting 10 years, and Infinity War is right around the corner. Yeah. So, yeah, for me, it was a big thing to see. Absolutely fantastic. In yeah. Way. And... You know, great story set up to it as well. You saw Loki coming back into the mix, mm-hmm. and yeah, it was it, yeah, it ticked all the right boxes. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Avengers was uh, was a, a very significant event. It, it proved that you know <clears throat> there were people capable of juggling these movies of all these characters. The worry with Avengers before it came out was, you know, obviously we want to focus on Iron Man or we want to focus on Cap or we want to focus on Thor, but the balance of Avengers is perfect. Yeah, and it's it's put into context by Age of Ultron, which is very messy. You know, it, um, you know, it's not juggled quite so well. And I know that Joss Whedon has said there was a bit of interference in Ultron, whereas Avengers, I think, get a clear run at it. Um, so, yeah, Avengers was a great movie. I mean, it was... This is what always frustrated me about the DC Universe against the Avengers, because there's no moment of introduction of any character in the DC movies that rivals that little spin-around shot in New York of all the Avengers standing there and the music soars. Like, I remember when the Trinity were first shown in BBS and it's clearly in front of green screen with fake flames in the background it should have been this epic moment I remember just thinking why didn't they just do it similar to how they did it in the Avengers which was just epic like Wonder Woman's introduction was great where she saves Batman but when the three of them were there it didn't feel iconic didn't feel like a big moment whereas in the Avengers you're just sitting there big cheesy grin on your face you know that kind of thing so um, but yeah just to go back the reason I'll just throw in quickly the reason I don't like Batman 89 is because it's clearly a villain movie. Um, like, the Joker steals the show in The Dark Knight, but it's still very much a Batman movie. In Batman 89, Jack Nicholson is such a big presence, he takes over that movie. And it's a beautiful-looking movie. It, it still stands the test of time. The gothic design's wonderful. But there's just there's one scene in it. This will sort of show you in terms of why I don't like it. 
at the start of the movie, you have this family running across Gotham who are slightly lost with a map in their hands. And I think, as a comic book fan, you were thinking, oh, this must be the Waynes. They're, they're going to be you know, killed in front of Bruce, origin story again. Um, but it's not. But what, what happens is they get mugged, and then it cuts to Batman standing watching it. Now, the reason Bruce Wayne became Batman was because he never wanted the same thing to happen to anyone else that happened to him. But he watches this family get mugged, and then there's all this big, dun, 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 dun. you know, it's all very heroic looking. But he literally watches it and then walks away, <laughs> lets the villains chat for five minutes, then interrupts them, doesn't bring them to justice, just goes, tell your friends about me. You know, it's, I just think they got the character of Batman so wrong. Um, you know, there's a part where he's in the Batwing, he's shooting real bullets at the Joker. Now, Ben Affleck's Batman gets so much abuse in BBS for having a gun and killing and blah, blah, blah. Keaton's Batman was doing this years ago. <laughs> you know, it, um, yeah, it's, Batman's a bit of a sore point with me because similar to you, when I was a kid and I had that in VHS, I probably wore it out. You know, I, yeah. I watched that movie a hundred times, loved it. But I think it's just when you get into the context of the later movies, because the bar's been raised, yeah. you go back and you go, well, actually, I understand the importance of this movie, but it's not a very good Batman movie. One but, of the, yeah, sorry. No, 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 <laughs> one of the scenes which stood out for me, which then, if you watch The Dark Knight, I think you'll know where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. But the bit you know where he's, uh, you know, he's kind of like, even though he's in the Batwing, kind of diving towards him. Yeah. In, uh, Batman '89, the Joker takes out his really big, long, like, yeah. uh, comical gun, shoots him down with it. Similar to the scene, or the kind of same setup in The Dark Knight, where he's speeding towards him on, yeah. the, on the bike, and then, you know, um, the Joker kind of like, well, he didn't shoot oh, him off. saying, hit me, hit me. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's kind of, I, to me, that was like, you know, if you compared those two scenes side by side, you'd more or less get the same just of what they were going for, because it's yeah. slightly similar. I can I understand the setup of it being quite similar. Yeah. The only thing I would argue is that in The Dark Knight, Batman makes the decision not to hit the Joker. In Batman, he's trying he's, to shoot him. Yeah, like... He's trying to shoot him. He actually pulls out a targeting system and everything. <laughs> you know, but I understand. I, I do think it's it's a very good point. It is, a, you know, these two big characters coming together. Um, as I say, just in Batman, for me, he was trying to kill the Joker. And he's also a bad shot. You know, he's like, like if he's trying to kill, he shoots like everywhere, right? He has targeting it. systems. I mean, Luke Skywalker didn't even need a targeting system. He just used the force. But uh, that's another discussion. But in the dark now, what I liked about that scene was, you know, the Joker's obviously a homicidal maniac. He's like, hit me, hit me, I don't care, hit me. And he makes the decision at the last second to dodge him yeah. because he doesn't want to kill. You know, that, that, that was what was also wonderful about the dark night. Another one of my favorite scenes. It's a small little scene. But it's where Batman breaks into the club and grabs uh, Maroney. Yep. And he holds him above and he's like, you know, from one professional to another, you drop me from this height, it wouldn't kill me. He's like, that's what I'm counting on, drops him. <laughs> and, his, and his ankles just collapse. But what you get in that scene very quickly is like, they're not afraid of him because they say, look, you have limits. The Joker doesn't. So I'd rather cross you than cross him. Um yeah, I mean, The Dark Knight I could talk about all day, as we have been already, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll move on from there quickly. I mean, the reason we wanted to just chat about those sort of our favourite superhero movies was just to give you a sense of, you know, where we're coming from in terms of our tastes. Um, and, you know, we, we will obviously offer counter-arguments, you know, that the whole point of this is obviously to show that movies are so subjective, you know, it's not one opinion's right and that's it. It's, it's kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to have someone to bounce off and chat to, because... <laughs> You know, I don't want these podcasts to come across as my word is God and that's it. You know, I, <laughs> we want to generate discussion and chat about these course, things, yeah. you know. So, 
which from that you know will lead us on we'll just have a quick chat about black panther um obviously the dust has settled yep. it's been ridiculously successful um it's had a massive cultural impact it's had a few bad moments with you know sort of showing us as a society i don't know if you saw some of the memes going around people were faking saying my girlfriend got beat up at a black panther showing and it was like a stock photo from like five years ago from a totally different incident. There were a lot of trolls around it. It, it sort of brought out the worst in people as well as the best in people. Um, but we're, we're not really going to talk about that much. We'll just chat about the movie itself. Yeah. So what were your uh, thoughts on it? I absolutely loved Black Panther. Um, I was planning to see it literally uh, like the day it came out uh, due to my work schedule. I couldn't. So uh, my sister then went with me for that would have been her second time. She came with me mm -hmm. to see it again. And I was like, wow, you know, for you going to see like a Marvel film for a second Twice. time, yeah, unless it's like, you know, the likes of the Avengers or something big, it wouldn't really be her thing. Yeah. She came to me and I was like, okay, well, we must be in for a show. I was skeptical that, you know, there's so much hype around this yeah. and so much talk and expectations that, you know, am I going to sit and watch it now? You know, so much hype for it and it's just going to fizzle out. Happily, I was wrong. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. People saying, oh, you know, it's the, the first solo led black movie and like all of. A lifetime, no, that's a lie because Blade, everyone. Nineteen ninety eight. Who remembers Blade? Nineteen ninety eight people, Snipes. not two thousand eighteen. Yeah, remember Wesley Snipes. Yeah, yeah. Justice um, for Wesley. <laughs> Justice for Wesley. Hashtag. Start that Twitter trend. Right yeah, now. I think so. Um, but yeah, overall, just what it did, you know, in terms of being another superhero film, it's a great setup to it. Again, he'd only Black Panther and we've been introduced in Civil War up until this point. Mm -hmm. You know, you and you kind of got a sense of how badass he was in Civil War. You know, that, that scene that stuck out for me, the bit where uh, it's him and Hawkeye like facing off, and he's like, "Oh, you know, you must be new. I'm Clint." He's just like, "I don't care." And just like this, it's, it's like that's fantastic. I love this guy. So we got to see a bit more then of where he comes from. You'd heard of Wakanda. Yeah. You'd heard of um, the. Vibranium. Yep. I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. You did, you know, Yeah, you'd heard of that and all, and now you're. You'd you Ulysses. You'd Ulysses Claw introduced. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. Ultron. Yeah, you'd go. You know, you'd get to see then where all that there comes from and how it fits together, and you know, you know, because you knew in the comics that uh, him and Ulysses Claws were like arch enemies, but yeah. you get to find out you know why were they arch enemies, you know, what did he do that made it so bad mm -hmm. and personal, and yeah, and you just get to see all this you know kind of fleshed out, explored more, everything's explained, and it's just phenomenal, and again. In ter not to make it political, but in terms of its representation of the women of Wakanda, especially, yeah. you know, they're hardened warriors, they're not like damsel <clears throat> in distresses. Yeah. Even his sister, you know, is like the tech, like the tech expert who makes everything for him. Yeah, she was one of the best characters, <laughs> yeah, I thought. Exactly, yeah, that's what we thought as well. And it's, it, was just, it was just superb all around, just what it did as a whole. So yeah. I'm, I'm really happy with it still. Could well, happily sit for it again. Well, that's it for that character, just to go to that. I mean, usually in movies like these, pardon me, it's a geeky male teenager yeah and it was great to see that it was actually a strong attractive smart you know willful sort of character in her own right so i mean that's a good point about black panther obviously everybody's been focusing on you know the the race card but yeah. the representation of women is fantastic i mean it it, it is unfortunate that the the woman who plays michonne whose name i will never be able to remember which is terrible <laughs> um she's like the go-to now for tough women because yeah. obviously with walking dead and she's brilliant in black panther I mean, my overall feelings on Black Panther, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was excellently made. I thought the first 60 minutes of it played like a 60s spy movie. You know, the whole part where they're all bartering over who's going to buy the vibranium in Chinatown, that whole sequence was phenomenally yeah. good. Uh, the only... I just had two problems with Black Panther. Um, 
One was that I hate that Marvel finally get their villains right and they kill them both. Yeah, um, <laughs> this is a bit, bit of a shock. <laughs> Ulysses Claw may have been the closest to the Joker that the Marvel Universe had. He was nuts. He was out for a good time. He laughed in the face of danger. He was in it for the pure thrill of it. Yeah. You know, he didn't care if he lived or died. He just wanted to have a good time. And he was all about creating chaos. So I, he actually, I thought there were shades of Ledger's Joker in there. Uh, big presence. You know, it's great to see Andy Circus outside of the motion capture. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I thought he was a great character. And Killmonger just dominated the screen every time he was on it. And like any good villain, a villain to be good has to, you have to understand their point of view. You have to, they, what they're doing, they think is right. And you can see Killmonger's point of view in it. Yeah. So that's what makes him a good villain. So killing them both off just really frustrates me because the, the running joke in Marvel movies is Loki's the only good villain. And even then, he's more of an anti-hero now. But that's the running joke that Marvel can't nail their villains. And they finally do, and they kill them both. Really frustrating. And the other thing for me, and this, this might be a controversial view, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, I just thought T'Challa got lost in his own movie. I thought the supporting cast was so strong. As I say, Killmonger, Ulysses Claw, the sister, Michonne's character again. I'll never know her name. Um, you know, even Martin Freeman had a brilliant scene where yeah. he, you know, got to show his past as a pilot. Forrest Whitaker was in there. You know, for me, all these characters were great and they were always the most interesting people in the scene when T'Challa was there. And this this is quite interesting to me because in Civil War, T'Challa was a massive standout. Like he was, as as you were saying, you know, his character really stood out. With his, I don't care about all your superhero politics. You know, I just want you know justice for my father. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Black Panther overall, you know, very very solid, great movie. I'd say it easily goes into you know the top five or six Marvel movies. I might have to consult my list. I may have contradicted myself. <laughs> I think I put it sixth. I think I put it ahead of Thor, but behind Avengers. Um, so yeah, I mean. With Black Panther, I avoided the hype. I waited three weeks to see it. I, oh, let, it, okay. I let it die down. Yeah. I heard people's opinions on it. I got feedback on it and then went and seen it because the last movie I went into on the back of hype was massively, massively disappointing, which, again, if you've been in this store, you know what I'm talking about. It's The Last Jedi, but that's another podcast. Oh, um, we could spend all day with that one. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, if you think we're rambling and bitching now, you know... Uh, just, just wait. Just wait for that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so as I said, that's, a, that's a, a nice, big, long ramble. Um, a little introduction to us, a little chat about Black Panther and our own superhero movies. Uh, so what we're going to do next is we're just going to preview some of the ones coming up. Uh, just throw a little bit of information out there, dates, that kind of thing. So uh, we'll come back then after this. So we're back again and we will try our best to keep it a bit more coherent this time <laughs> instead of going off into our inevitable tangents. Uh, so yeah, what we thought we'd do is we're in such a golden age of superhero movies now that the sheer volume coming out in the next year and a half is incredible. You know, you go back 10 years in Hollywood, this was unimaginable to be honest. You know, you were lucky to get a Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie or, you know anything like that so to get this sheer volume of movies is, is fantastic and it is an interesting time as well in superhero movies because obviously disney have now bought over fox so they have access to the fox catalog i personally think this is a bad thing yeah. I, I would have loved them just to get the marvel marvel characters but i think that in movie making nothing breeds creativity like competition a movie studio wants to be better than the other movie studio but if you have one studio controlling everything, it can be very beige, yeah, very vanilla. 
uh, because with them buying Fox, not only do they get the Marvel stuff, they get the two most successful movies of all time, which for better or worse are Titanic and Avatar. They get the Aliens franchise, they get Predator, they get Die Hard. You know, these are all billion dollar franchises, so I kind of worry Disney might be turning into the evil empire. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, yeah, you'd be correct in saying that. Like, <laughs> let's look forward to watered down films for the next 20 to 30 years. <laughs> well, I mean, a good example of that is as, as we're obviously previewing what's coming out, uh, we'll get to a couple more in a moment, but the first one I wanted to actually bring up was New Mutants. So, New Mutants is a bit of an odd movie. I hadn't really known much about it until a trailer hit. And the trailer basically made it look like a horror movie. Yeah. Uh, there was a great atmosphere to it. There was a great look to it. Um, it kind of caught me unaware, and I thought, "Holy, this looks really interesting." Yeah. You know, it's with so many superhero movies around. I think you need to almost do something a little different to stand out. New Mutants. Uh, you were saying was originally scheduled for uh, this month, actually. Yeah. This month, so we should have already either been looking forward to it or already seen it. A bit like Flashpoint, uh, hey. which was announced for two weeks ago. Um, <laughs> have you seen that Flashpoint movie? <laughs> uh, if you have, let us know. Um, but with New Mutants, yeah, it was originally due out this month, and then you were saying yourself you started to look into the release date. Yeah, and uh, I then found um, just for a website called launchingfilms.com. You may or may not know of it or use it. Um, I find out that it's been pushed back to uh, February 2019. But then I did some further digging and I looked at IMDb, which is usually quite a credible source yeah. as well. And it now says it's the 2nd of August 2019. <laughs> now... This is incredible. I've never seen a movie delayed that much. And I've even seen interviews with some of the um, actors from it saying it's really frustrating. There's the girl in it who's from Game of Thrones. What's her name? Which one from Game of Thrones? Uh, I, don't, I don't actually watch Game of Thrones, um, but I know the actors from it. Um, she's the blind girl in Game of Thrones, I think. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm really... Know you're about, but I'm letting down my yet. geek credentials here, but... Uh, <laughs> She basically came out and said it's really frustrating because they thought they made a really great movie. It was pretty much finished. It was in the can. Yeah. But this is what worries me about this Disney acquisition. Now, Disney are known for family-friendly movies, which is not a bad thing. You know, they, they want to make movies that appeal to a large audience. People can enjoy. Back in the 90s, they used to have um, a separate label that they owned, but they allow, it allowed them to put out sort of more adult-oriented movies. It was Buena Vista oh, okay. and they released movies like The Rock like Armageddon like Con Air like Gone in 60 Seconds you know these were great action movies of the 90s and that label just seemed to die away they, they don't seem to release adult fare anymore you know they focus more on Pirates of the Caribbean and obviously they've taken over Star Wars and they're determined to give us five movies a year uh that's another discussion. <laughs> you can have a lot of sub-discussions. Oh, yeah. We're, we're going to try and stay on point here. But yeah, with New Mutants, because of the look of it, I thought it looked really interesting. But maybe someone at Disney's went, oh, we can't release this. This is way too dark. And they've really... I mean, to delay a movie a year and a half is incredible. I mean, it's such a high-profile movie as well. Yeah, but yeah. Um, so I'm really curious to see what becomes of that. Um, I'm scared. <laughs> and not because it looks like a scary movie. No, it's just <laughs> you know galleries. they're gonna put their Edward Scissorhands all over it. Um, they might reshoot stuff. I don't know. I mean, it's as I say, it it was a movie this year that I thought stood out from all the other superhero movies, and I was really looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, as I say, that's New Mutants. That's going to be next year, second of August. Um, a good sort of uh, accompaniment to that, I suppose, would be Dark Phoenix. Yep. Now. I, the X-Men movie franchise is a strange one. It, it probably has the worst continuity in movies. It makes the DC Universe look like a, a straight through line. Um, I mean, for me, I don't know your opinions uh, on X-Men, but for me, X-Men 1 was great. 
X-Men 2 was superb. X-Men 3 was awful. X-Men Origins Wolverine was even worse. Um, I didn't really like the Wolverine either, though I love Hugh Jackman in the role. First Class I thought was very good. Uh, Days of Future Past was the high point for me, for the franchise. Apocalypse was pretty awful. And Logan is the other high point of the franchise. It's not really an X-Men movie, though, I suppose. Yeah, but, but it can, you know, you get credible as, you know. It's part of that universe, certainly. Yeah. But, I mean, it it sort of worked on a different level for me. You know, it was... All the X-Men movies at that point were family-friendly with Logan. They were like, right, Deadpool's proven an R-rated superhero movie will yeah, work. Yeah, so they took the leap and it worked. It paid yeah. off. It was a good, you know. You know, Logan was a wonderful movie, you know, despite the fact... I did have someone in here one day who ranted about how much they hated Logan. Oh. I didn't think anybody existed that didn't like Logan. Is but he allowed back in your store? Uh, I tried to run a very <laughs> casual ship here. You know, I had someone insult Heath Ledger one day and I was close to throwing them out. No, but yep, yep, no, no, no. I, I don't run a dictatorship here. Uh, I respect all opinions even though I don't agree with them. Like, he made a good case in what he was saying. Um, I can't remember the exact details of it, but, you know, if people have strong opinions like that, that's yeah, fine. That's fair enough. It's different if you give an opinion and then that's it but if you back it up and why you don't like it that's fine you know if we'll like the same thing it'd be a boring world <laughs> um, but with Dark Phoenix I know next to nothing about it um, the only thing you know again I know very little about as well the only thing I know is of course Sophie Turner reprising her role as Jean Grey mm-hmm. who you saw in was it I think it was was it Apocalypse or Days of Future Past you first saw it? I think you first saw in Days of Future yeah, Past. Yeah, because you saw um, Scott, you know, uh, you saw them as like teenagers yeah. going to school. And I remember seeing, now at this point, I didn't watch Game of Thrones either. I only literally watched it and caught up to it in the past, like maybe a year and a half. Mm-hmm. But I remember seeing that scene, like I knew who Sophie Turner was, and I remember just seeing that scene where, you know, Scott's being let in and um, like they, they're walking through the halls and they, they bump into each other. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, you know the story of Scott and Jim yeah. Gray, obviously. <clears throat> Uh, but you know they bump into each other, and Sophie Turner's like line of dialogue was just so like bluntly delivered and just mm-hmm. so like monotone. It's just like watch where you're going, Scott, and it's like good God Almighty, what have you done? <laughs> I mean, it it was awful. It was, I, I, it was pretty bad. And then of course she's now reprising her role as Jean Grey, and yeah, I mean I I didn't I don't like her as Jean Grey. Yeah, I don't like her as a young Jean Grey. So I, to me, I just think she's too, you know, just too one dimensional. She's just very. You see what you it's get. a lot of that down to the fact that Famke Janssen was so good in the role. Yeah, probably because yeah. you've seen it done before, again, in a more adult version, obviously, yeah. of her. Now you're trying to revert it back, and uh, yeah, it's just not really... Yeah. No, I don't really find it. I just hope with uh, Dark Phoenix, it's more, as I say, Days of Future Past than Apocalypse. I, I really didn't enjoy Apocalypse, I have no, to say. Um, Dark Phoenix, again, it's another one that's been slightly moved. It's on to the 5th of February of next year. Um, but to jump in the movies that are maybe a bit closer, uh, we'll leave the big one to last to discuss. Um, we've got Deadpool 2 coming, uh, 15th of May. Deadpool 2 is, a str- is an interesting one because I actually think Infinity War slightly scared of it. Um, there originally was only two weeks between them. Infinity War got moved forward a week, so yeah. they've almost got that extra week of we don't have to compete with Deadpool. Yeah. You know, Deadpool was a bit of a runaway success. It sort of came from nowhere. Um, brilliantly marketed movie. What's interesting with Deadpool is they could make 10 more movies yeah. because they nailed the tone in the first one. But like I said, the sequel, you know, again, you were saying about the marketing material. Again, it's been excellent. Yeah. Set up, you know, it's Ryan Reynolds is superb with that type of material. Yeah. You know, give him all the promotional material he wants and he'll sell it. You saw for the original, he did the exact same thing. Yeah. This one, I mean, so far, 
they've had the, the wee skit um, I think it was there's released a, there was the Bob Ross one yeah, first yeah the Bob yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, the skit where he's in the phone box and like he's getting changed yeah, yeah there was that uh, <clears throat> the Bob Ross one was absolutely bloody brilliant it's the best thing I think I've seen in a long time and then of course just the actual uh, the cable trailer introducing him yeah using <laughs> he's an action figures yeah and portraying himself reach for the sky you know, <laughs> and then making the jab at Justice League for the, the mustache yeah thing. <laughs> and then of course the action <clears throat> trailer again don't yeah. don't mention the mustache thing it still it still hurts <laughs> still hurts yeah, I think Ryan Reynolds you give him the right tools yeah and give him what he wants and he'll deliver and it's you know it's now being proven yeah you know this is what he wanted to do you let him. You well, no, you didn't give really him that let freedom. Him have yeah. It. yeah, you didn't let him have an X Men Origins Wolverine. You know, you gave him the character yeah. name, but you didn't really let yeah, him go there. Yeah, you made him the merc with the mouth, and then you sewed his mouth up. Yeah, That's and made him some sort of weird, weird concoction. zombie henchman yeah. type character. But now you give him the costume, <clears throat> give him the tools. You've given him everything, and now he's happy. And you've got a billion dollar franchise. And he's uh, laugh. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, Deadpool. <laughs> Deadpool's going to be one of those comfort movies in a way because you know exactly what you're going to get. Oh, yeah. You know it's going to be a good time. You know you're going to laugh. You know there's going to be inventive action sequences. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you introduce those characters and, and make the world a bit bigger. I mean, there's there's one scene in the trailer, and it's very, very quick, but I really enjoyed it. I think it's um, where Deadpool's in Xavier's wheelchair. And he's, like, spinning around in it. <laughs> yes. I mean, that just, that just nails the tone of it for me, you know, so... Yeah. So, yeah, so that's Deadpool 2, which is just over a month away. Uh, as I say, 15th of May. Uh, we'll move on then. After that, you've got Venom. Uh, Venom's an interesting one. 5th of October for that, so it's not too far away. Uh, one trailer released so far. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? Again, you know, I'd heard a lot about it. You cast quite possibly one of the most sought after actors mm -hmm. in this day and age Tom Hardy and you're like right we're getting somewhere you release the trailer and nothing to me if you didn't know what Venom was and you mm -hmm. watched that trailer I don't know you'd maybe be looking at a possible yeah. like you still don't know what Venom is <clears throat> no but you know what I mean you'd be like if you didn't know anything at all and it was just called Venom to me watching that trailer as someone who doesn't have a clue you'd think you'd easily mistake it for just your typical run of the mill action film yeah and you're like I don't you know because it's like everyone has their demons and you're like Okay, so it's something to do with his past. You know what I mean? If you didn't know what yeah. that was, you'd be like, you'd just be sitting there watching, like, I, what? Yeah. And you kind of get that brief, like, millisecond where you see the symbiote kind of just on, crawling like, up his neck. Yeah, but again, again, if you, you're not looking for it, you don't see it. Though I, I didn't, I, I didn't see it the first time yeah, I saw because, the trailer. Uh, and I remember I commented on the the status you put up, and some guy was like, "You do see it," and he posted. I was like. Oh yeah, oh, right. it's like, yeah, but it's that quick. It's you that quick yeah. and that small, you know. It's yeah, you're like, oh yeah. It's, it's, I don't know. I was a bit let down by the first trailer. Again, are they maybe stalling for time and kind of luring us into yeah. a false sense of security and then going to be like, bam? Here's not a lot of them, but here's what you want. Here's to see. what he'll see. Or are you just? Well, this really is this is one of the problems you know? with it. I had someone in the other day talking about it, and they said that his face has been revealed on like a, a cereal packet or something. <laughs> You know, it's like... Coco Pops like, down Asda. Yeah, it's just sort of like... You know, you want to control the reveal of your characters. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, Shazam's another example of this. Uh, Shazam's another example of this because there's been all these sort of spy photos and people are like, oh, it looks like a padded suit and it looks silly and it looks, you know, like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jingle All The Way and all this kind of stuff. I personally think it looks great. I think DC needs a light, funny, not-take-itself-too-seriously movie. Yeah. Um... But as I say, that's Shazam. So with Venom, I mean, trailers for me are an interesting thing these days because sometimes they give away too much. Yeah. 
I didn't massively enjoy Spider-Man Homecoming, and a lot of that was because I had seen everything in the trailers. There were three trailers. <clears throat> One of the trailers focused on the ship being split in two. One of the trailers focused on a fight um, atop of the airplane at the end. And one of the trailers focused on the um, the Washington Monument. Yes. So that was your three major action set pieces. And you'd seen it all. I'm looking forward to watching Homecoming again because of lowered expectations. And I know what to expect. Because I do think they got loads of stuff right. I thought Tom Holland was great. I thought the guy who played his best friend was great. It's created a little bit of a, a funny situation where Marvel just needed to cast Batman to get a good villain. Because uh, that scene in the car is wonderful. <laughs> you know, so... And same again, it's a villain that you can understand his motives because obviously this cleanup crew comes in at the start and affects their livelihood. So yeah. again, it's a villain with motives you kind of understand. Um, but circling it back to Venom, <clears throat> with the trailer, they show nothing and we complain. If they show too much, we complain. It's such a delicate balance. Uh, but I do 100% agree with you in that if you didn't know that was a superhero movie, you still wouldn't know it was a superhero movie. No. You know, maybe they should have had a quick... There's been rumours of Tom Holland maybe doing a cameo in it. Yes. Maybe show him quickly and then they go, isn't he from Spider-Man? Wait a minute, You know, yeah. someone turns around and goes, you know, Eddie Brock turns around and goes, get away from me, Parker. Or some, just a little thing like that. But then again, you don't want to ruin, I suppose, yeah. the reveal if he is in it. So, Venom's an interesting one. I have it on the back burner. I wouldn't say I'm massively looking forward to it, but I am looking forward to seeing more about yeah, it. Yeah, just... What you said there, it, and I'd completely forgotten about it, yeah, I remember, you know, uh, Tom Holland is to make a cameo appearance. It is, well, it's rumoured. Yeah. I don't know if it's... He was on set, I think. And yeah. And they've, people have... They've tried to say he was just visiting, but... Yeah, I know. think people have ran with him and be like, it's happening. But again, this would then tie it into what, you know, will eventually come around to Infinity War. And yeah. Again, if Tom Holland appears in Venom, you know, are we going to maybe see him suited up as Spider-Man? Mm -hmm. Maybe confronting him? Maybe not a fight. Yeah. Maybe just in the background somewhere confronting him. Or are we going to see something else? Is it going to tie into the overall MCU? Again, yeah. this opens up a whole... like lot of possibilities. Of, yeah. So you're going to be like, <clears throat> okay, there you are, let, let's run off and see where it goes. There is a poster that was released. Um, I think it's like the next print that they've released for it. Uh, where it's Tom Hardy's face and the, you know, the Venom... Like symbiote is like pulling away oh, from okay. it. Yeah. So it kind of gives you a bit more of a hint, but until you see him fully, yeah, so that you won't quite know because it's yeah. still just his face. So we'll see on that one. But going back to what you said about they cast Tom Hardy, that and in general excites me because when every discussion comes up for who should be the next insert here, who should be the next James Bond, Tom Hardy. Yeah. Who should be the next Batman, Tom Hardy. <laughs> who should be the next Wolverine, Tom <laughs> Hardy. You know, it's uh, he's sort of the go-to actor. I mean, I I think he's brilliant in everything he's done. Of course, yeah. Um, I do feel sorry for him sometimes though, because he seems to always be hiding his face. He went through a period there where he was being so had the mask on. Then he was in Mad Max. They put a mouth guard on him for most of the movie. <laughs> then he was in Dunkirk. He was behind a pilot's mask. <laughs> you know, he's a good-looking guy. You know, just show Let us a bit more. And now he's going to be in Venom, and it's going to be CGI face. Um, but no, Venom. Um, as I say, it's it's sort of on the back burner. I just don't know enough about it at the moment. Um, but that'll lead us on to another one, which is Ant Man and the Wasp. Yep. Now this is scheduled for the 3rd of August, so you know what you can see here, what, what is great is you've got one in April, one in May, one in August, one in October, one in December. I don't think we've reached the point of saturation yet, we might be dangerously close to it, <laughs> um, but no, Ant-Man and the Wasp stands out for me because despite the ridiculous product placement at the end of the trailer... <laughs> For Hello Kitty, <laughs> it, must it was just a like lot for that. <laughs> oh, you just know, like a Hello Kitty, you know, representative walked in with a suitcase full of cash and went, 
showcase our product. Um, <laughs> but it was played for a laugh, so yeah, yeah, I think they get away fun. with it. Yeah. They get away with it. But Ant-Man was a real pleasant surprise for me re-watching through the Marvel movies because after all the end of the world stuff and the heavy stuff, this was just basically a heist movie. Yeah. You know, that, that's <laughs> what was up. great about it. Uh, it was... Obviously, there could have been bigger implications if the villain had got away with the suit. Yeah. But it was a small movie. Oh, Jesus, pun intended. Hey. Um, <laughs> you know, like, it had a lot of humour. It had a lot of heart. Um, the train sequence at the end that is was fantastic. It's just brilliant. You know, you, you see this big, massive, death-defying moment, and then it cuts to the little girl watching it, and this little toy train just falls <laughs> over. Um, so with that man and the wasp... First trailer impressions are good. Yeah, yeah I loved it. Uh, saw the trailer and I was like, okay, I'm really excited. You know, um, uh, you know, you now see both of them suited up as Ant Man the Wasp. You yeah. get that kind of the whole back and forth, uh, you know, jests between uh, Paul Rudd and uh, Michael Douglas. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it, it's fun to watch. You know, and it, they yeah, her still... suit has lasers. Did you have that tech? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just didn't want to give it to you. <laughs> you know, Pretty they nice. have that chemistry. They can yeah. all share that. What I'm really interested in seeing though is. So we know this comes after Civil War. Yeah. Will it directly tie into Infinity War? Mm-hmm. Do you think so, or do you think they'll maybe leave it just maybe prior to <clears> that? Or... It'll be interesting to see because I'm quite excited to see what they're going to do with it. Ant Man was one of the best sort of cameos in Civil War. You know when he turns oh, up at the airport 100%. and they're like, "Does anybody else have any abilities?" And he's like, "Well, I got this one thing. I've never tried it yet." <laughs> and then he just becomes Giant Man and you know catches. Is it? Rudy yeah. is a war machine yeah, yeah. and, he just kind and of he's just got like his eyes wide and he's like oh, oh, oh that's amazing you know uh, and it then of course led to another great joke which was um, Spider-Man saying have you guys seen that really old movie Empire Strikes Back how young is this kid uh, so Ant-Man was really great in Civil War yeah. but I just wonder if because these movies are so close together whether he'll make an appearance we'll wait and see um, on another note on the trailer I just love the part where uh, Hank Pym just uh Turns around to his ma- this massive, you know, office, just clicks a button. <laughs> he turns on every pull out suitcase. Pulls out his suitcase uh, handle, which I thought was great. But would everything not fall over when he starts wheeling it? You know, that's a different question. <laughs> you know, we, we, we like to question logic here. Uh, so that then leads us to, well, we'll have to talk about the big one, I suppose, Infinity War. Hey. A couple of weeks out. Um, it's been a long road to this point. We've been waiting for Thanos for about 25 years. Uh, <laughs> We finally get to see him. I mean, the trailers for Infinity War have been great. I've tried to avoid some of them because, again, I worry about trailers giving away too yeah. much. But I can't help it. You know, I have to watch it. I'm excited for it. So many people in the store ask about it. Oh, have you seen the trailer? So I kind of had to watch it. And I really hope they haven't given away an awful lot. I suppose we'll not know until we see the movie. But, you know, I sort of broke down one of the trailers. And there's a part in it where Captain America gets off a plane. I think it's in Wakanda. And he's walking up to uh, T'Challa what I noticed about the scene was there was no sense of urgency it wasn't like this guy's come to earth we need your help it was all very calm it was all very like political yeah it was almost (laughs) like I mean for those who have obviously seen Black Panther and again of course we can't talk about this stuff without spoilers but the after credit scene shows that Bucky's hiding out in Wakanda. Yeah, which you knew already. From, yeah. Yeah, because you know, yeah, at the end of uh, Civil War, he says, we'll look after him. But yep. it's nice to sort of see him there. Um, but he's referred to as the White Wolf, and a which lot of people a think... throwaway comic reference, yeah. if I'm correct. That. Well, that's it. I mean, Winter Soldier conjures up images of villain. So I think they might try and get him away from that. There's rumours he might take over his cap if you know yeah, Steve Rogers meets yeah. his demise, which I really hope doesn't happen, but I'm prepared for it. Uh... <laughs> But yeah, this this scene, 
because a lot of the the set pieces they've shown in the trailer is this big battle at Wakanda. Yeah. So what I'm kind of hoping, and I could be wrong, that could be the ending set piece. We don't know, but I'm kind of hoping that's what starts the movie. Yeah. I'm kind of hoping the movie kicks off. Yeah. Cap arrives, all calm to Wakanda. Wants to see his friend Bucky. Wants to check in on T'Challa, and then this invasion happens, and that's where the movie starts. As I say, I could be totally wrong on that. But I just hope they haven't. <clears throat> big pardon. I hope they haven't given away any big set pieces yet for the end. Yeah, because it's a big movie. It's one hundred and sixty-four minutes. Did they announce that? Yes. So like two hours forty. I yeah, think. 244. Yeah, two forty-four. Um, basically, the length Justice League should have been before they got their scissor hands on it. You'll hear me bitch a lot about this. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, Infinity War. I mean, my my only concern with Infinity War is that there's so much to it. How's it going to all be juggled? You know, are characters just going to be little throwaway background pieces, or is there going to be a, a through line of a story here? But given it's the Russos directing it, they directed Winter Soldier. I have faith. I have a lot of faith. I um, have faith. I'm just going to it. We're going to go Midnight Showing. <clears throat> a lot of faith. Really looking forward to it. Uh, so yeah, that that basically brings in the whole um the whole Marvel universe. <clears throat> On the other side, we have Aquaman. <laughs> that just sounds like such yeah. a bad note. <clears throat> it's like you have all these Marvel movies and then you go, but coming from DC this year, Aquaman. Aquaman. Who's buying tickets for that? Yeah, no, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm looking forward to Aquaman. Um, the director, James Wan, has proven himself a very good action director. Is it James Wan? Yeah. Oh, okay, now you've picked so, my interest. John Wick, if I'm correct, wasn't it? No, he wasn't no. John Wick. No, that was actually a stunt, uh, a stuntman who directed John Wick, I oh, think. Oh. So James Wan, he's very much a genre director. This is probably going to put you off, Aquaman, but he directed one of the Fast and the Furious movies. Oh, yep, I might. <laughs> <laughs> but it showed he knew how to handle action. Um, he's also done like horror movies. He did The Conjuring. Oh my God, yes. Now, yeah, okay, now that, yes. Okay. So he's now a very that, interesting yeah. director to choose for this. I mean, it would have been very easy to just pull in a big Michael Bay or a big, you know, you know overrated action director which or whatever. Is, sorry, on a side note, I just have to throw it in there. Michael Bay produced A Quiet Place, which I was really surprised about. Is that out now? Yeah. I'd like to yeah. see it. It's the one that John Krasinski and Emily wrote Blunt, and directed. Yeah, Do you know he's married to her in real life? Yeah, I know, yeah. Fantastic. Anyway, sorry. Jim from The Office. <laughs> I mean, the only thing with A Quiet Place, just as a quick tangent, I, I'll if there's not a moment in it where he turns to the camera and goes, with one of those Jim smiles, I'll be very, very depressed. <laughs> Uh, I know it's a bit more of a serious movie than that. You know, if he doesn't do like a high five across a room. Anyway, I'm showing my office geekiness here. Uh, yeah, so they, they've they've got a really interesting director here with James Wan. I think that Aquaman was one of the sort of success stories of Justice League. In that he left you wanting more visually. He's a big guy. He looks like a powerful guy. The Atlantis scene where Steppenwolf steals the mother box from Atlantis I thought was very good. I thought it was a bit weird when Mira constructed that little bubble for them to talk in. Because there's no way to do that and it doesn't look fake. And they're underwater. Yeah. So they can... <laughs> so that... But James Wan has said, he's went on record saying that's not how my characters talk in the movie. So a lot of people thought, oh, this is how he's going to get around people talking underwater. He says he's done something different. Who knows what it'll be. But with Aquaman, we haven't seen any trailers yet. They finished shooting it. But obviously it's going to be a very effects-heavy movie. So yeah. end of the year for it. With Aquaman, there's just I think there's so much riding on it. I think that Wonder Woman's the only thing propping up the DC universe at yeah. the moment. And 
therefore Aquaman has a lot of weight in the shoulders to actually get people back to this and sort of reward people's faith in it. Yeah. Because I think if this is bad, I think a lot of people are just going to check out it's it. it. Yeah. It could actually damage the DC universe in the same way Batman and Robin did. It really could. And that's yeah, that's big, a big statement. Them's big words, you know. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, they'll always bring this universe back, maybe under different stewardship or whatever, but... You know, all these movies that they've kind of announced. Because this is the other thing with DC oh, Warner Brothers. Yeah, that, there's so much that... It's like they're... Yeah. It, it's like, like, I mean, the ending... Sorry, I just kind of like hijacked you there, my Go bad. For <laughs> Go for it. The ending of Justice League, though, the post-credits scene. Yeah. Okay, oh, Lex Luthor's still there. Good to see him again. Yeah. Oh, oh, my God. Death it's Deathstroke. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Again, you did see pre-alpha footage that was released several yeah. months ago with Deathstroke. And you were like, okay, what's that from? Oh, this is from the untitled, you know, the Batman, Batman movie. movie. Okay, when we're seeing this, so here's, you know, here's like, uh, we're going to do an origin Joker film as well. And it's like, whoa, guys, guys, slow it down. Yeah. I've said this multiple times. I've said, slow it down, do it one by one, do what Marvel did. If you have a longer plan, you mm -hmm. know, for the long run, like they've been doing, yeah. and right, that's grand, build up one by one. Don't simultaneously announce several yeah. different projects get everyone involved and hyped and then yeah. be like oh actually well that one's cancelled we can that one we're not well, too sure about this one you know yeah. just one well, that's time. it different times we've had a Justice League Dark movie was being made yeah. now it's not uh, Gotham City Sirens Gotham what's David Iyer doing next At one minute he's doing a, a Harley Joker movie then he's doing a Gotham City Sirens mm. And then it was, oh, Joss Whedon's doing Batgirl. Oh, no, I'm not doing Batgirl. Uh, we're doing Flashpoint. No, we're not doing Flashpoint. Yeah. You know, there, there's such a lack of clarity that's so frustrating. And, and as you say, Marvel have proven that the patient approach works. Yeah. You don't have to chase the big bucks at the beginning. Make a solid movie. Like, this was my thing leading up to Justice League. I kept saying to everybody, stop announcing movies. Focus on Justice yep. League. Get it right. Get people hyped for this universe. And then build from there. And it, it didn't happen. It you know, didn't Justice happen at League all. Was just, it fell apart from the beginning. My mate now, Stephen, I really hope you're going to listen to this. I will make you listen to this. But basically, he has absolutely loved everything DC's done so mm -hmm. far. He was absolutely in love with Justice League. Like yourself, he bought the Blu-ray, which I heavily criticised him for. But, you know, he says it was great how, you know, you didn't need a whole big introduction. You knew who the people were. They just yeah. got on with straight bang. There you go. To me, that was one of its biggest flaws in Justice League. Yeah. Fair enough, you knew who the characters were. That's all well and good. But then, you know, like that that scene with uh, you know Diana in the you know in the, in the museum, yeah. and they take some people hostage and be like, ah, oh, we're gonna blow the place up. Oh, she comes in as one Roman saves the day. What was the point in that? There was no that you know oh to set up what she can do. You already know what she done. You mm. had a solo film back last year in the summer. You know what she's capable of. Yeah. So why did you need to have that? Just certain wee bits and pieces like that. Mm. Aquaman for me. Again, was a very one-dimensional character. Yeah, my man. Woo. Uh, you, you know, you're not Ric mm. Flair. You, you don't be, you know. Oh, Ric Flair in a, more, in a DC movie. <laughs> oh, the mind boggles with possibilities. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, to me, as much, again, as much as I like Jason Momoa and I enjoyed him in Game of Thrones, they just made him this, you know, very stereotypical, you know. But did you not think guy. they kind of made him look quite iconic in places, though? There's, there's one scene in particular that... They should have expanded on more, but it's a part where this um, boat's going down, and he swims up, jumps on top of it, and he lands on top of it, and he's all in shadow, and then all this water's coming over the top, and he looks big and powerful. That's more than what they should have done. I agree, he does come across as a bit of a jock sometimes. Yeah, he's just know, like, it's like, you know, rides not over yet, my man, you know, it's, yeah, it's like, oh, all right, you know, it's... it's but yeah. that's obviously what he was directed to do. That's the other thing. So I think he's more to bring to the role. So I think Aquaman could be good. 
and it's got a great cast as well like Nicole Kidman's in it oh, okay. um, you've got William Defoe in it Oh. you've got um, obviously uh, Jason Momoa and what's her name Amber Heard and there's another really good actor in it that I'm just drawing a blank on right now oh randomly it's one of my favourite actors but everyone else will probably disagree with me Dolph Lundgren's in it you know come on <laughs> come on <laughs> Ivan Drago himself <laughs> Uh, What's he got to say like this time? You know, it's like if he dies, he dies. <laughs> <Yes>. I <laughs> am a Rocky Four fanboy, so let him let him use that line, please. <laughs> let him use that. You know, but I think they've got a really interesting cast together, and as I say, it's uh, I think it's an interesting one. But we haven't really seen any footage yet. No, That's the other you thing. haven't even seen barely you any know. pictures of it, you know, or images. So so yeah. they're obviously being secretive, but hopefully that's a good thing. Hopefully yes. they're actually like instead of showing everything up front, let's just quietly make it behind the scenes. Nice and harmony, no, you know, mutterings of discontent from the set. Let's just make it. We'll release it when we're ready. So or maybe they're all locked behind the doors being like, oh, God. <laughs> and they're all like, oh, my God, it's six months till we release this. <laughs> six months till we release it. P45s for everyone, lads. Yeah. <laughs> Start looking. Well, I wouldn't mind that in a way. Since everyone, you're fired. <laughs> this is both... See, the DC Universe, you know, this is it's obviously going to win the longer discussion than we thought, but... In a way, I wouldn't mind if Aquaman failed because then they'd have to start again from the ground up. There's, there's a lot of things they've done in it. Like Suicide Squad for me was terrible. Like, genuinely, it's a victory of style and advertising over substance. I really enjoyed Margot Robbie in it. Um, yep. I actually enjoyed Will Smith, which I didn't think I would. And I think we didn't see enough of Jared Leto's Joker because he just came across really badly because there was no scenes of context. It was just... He's in it for 12 minutes, I think, someone timed yep. it up. And he apparently shot enough footage to fill a full movie on his own. So I, I really despise Suicide Squad. I mean, there's, there's even a, a scene in it where a guy says, what if Superman decided to, you know, attack the White House? Who the hell in the Suicide Squad is going to stop Superman? The whole point <laughs> is they're building this unit in case superheroes go bad. What's, what's going to happen? Is Harley Quinn going to swing her bat at him? Deadshot going to shoot him? <laughs> You know, it's you can't. Captain Boomerang. I'm throwing Boomerang at him. It's just Suicide Squad was oh, it was a terrible movie. I enjoyed it. Oh, it was I terrible. Did. The first twenty minutes of it are very good, and the scene at the end with Bruce Wayne and Amanda Waller, where he says, "I'll sort it out for you if you don't," that was great. That was cool. See everything in between. Enchantress, terrible. Oh, uh, you okay? I'm not much for Cara Delevingne as an actress, but come on. No, she had a pretty good role. No, it's no. terrible. Right. terrible okay. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it fell into that old trope of swirling trash in the sky you don't know it's purpose but yeah, it's just like okay, it's, yeah, it's that, almost okay, just yeah. like a big giant arrow saying the bad guy is here you know it was the same in Apocalypse it was the same again X-Men Apocalypse same thing it was all swirly CGI trash in the sky that kind of stuff really frustrates me but but Suicide Squad's another example of the interference of Warner Brothers because apparently there were two cuts of the movie David oh, Iyer did right, a cut yeah. And they got this marketing company to do a cut who did one of the trailers that was well received. And they went with their cut. Like, what's the point of hiring a director if you're not going to let them like, use their bit? Yeah. I mean, they're putting their name on it. It's the same thing with Justice League. You know, Zack Snyder's name's on it, but Joss Whedon's fingerprints are all over it. I think it should have just been a co-directing credit. Yep, 100%. Everybody knew the story. Everybody knew, unfortunately, the tragic circumstances behind it. But it shouldn't have just been Zack Snyder's name on it. No. You know, because it's not... You can tell parts of it are not his movie. You know, but that's a whole other, whole other sidebar. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll maybe put a pin in it there and get a, a, a different discussion at a different time. So, yeah, that was just a quick, well, I say quick. Uh, that was a, uh, 
Let me see. That was a 32-minute uh, breakdown <laughs> of movies, so I hope you like the sound of our voice. Um, so we'll come back after this. We'll just do a quick closeout. We're just going to uh, bring a circle right back around to comics and uh, talk about a few of our favourite ones. And uh, we'll be back then after this. <laughs> So welcome back to part three, if you're still with us, of course. Um, yeah, obviously we've chatted a lot so far about the movie side of things. Obviously with you know, all these comic book characters, you know, they're larger than life now. They're not just confined to the comics. They're in movies, they're in TV shows, they're on t-shirts. But what we thought we'd do, just to circle back again to the comic side of things, you know, being a comic store and all, uh, we just thought we'd talk very, very quickly, and we promise it will be quick, uh, about our favourite comics of all time. So uh, what I did was I just uh, give James a little breakdown of what we were going to chat about so he could have a think about it. So what we'll do is we'll start off with my favourite of all time, and then we'll let him have the last word. Uh, so my favourite of all time, and if you've been in the store, you know this. This is not a surprise. I've recommended this series to everyone. I always keep it on the shelves. As soon as it sells, I order it back in again. It's a title called Why the Last Man. So it's, it's kind of timely to talk about this because yesterday it was announced that it's been ordered to pilot. Now there's a part of me that really doesn't want to get it made into a TV show. It suits the comic form, but at the same time it's very cinematic so I can understand why. I mean, this has the potential to go on for as long as something like Lost. You know, it's got an amazing world, amazing characters. It's a 60-issue series. For those who don't know, basically it's written by Brian K. Vaughan. Now, Brian K. Vaughan's a name well-known in the comic side of things, with Why the Last Man, Saga, Paper Girls, Ex Machina. But oh, I recognise that one. <laughs> well, it's not what you think, though. Um, Ex Machina, you're probably thinking of the movie. <laughs> now, Ex Machina that Brian K. Vaughan wrote was actually, I always pitch it to people as Superman meets the West Wing. It's basically oh, about this guy who... Sounds good. It starts off uh, with this guy who is a superhero in New York City. And he prevents 9-11 from happening. He diverts the planes away. And on the back of that, he decides he doesn't want to be a superhero anymore. He's going to, be, he's going to run for mayor. So it goes into the political side of things. He wants to clean up New York with his smarts and his resources rather than as a superhero. So that's ex machina. But with Why the Last Man, it's basically a story about what would happen if women ruled the world. Um, in the first issue, there's this uh, epidemic that runs all through the world. There's no explanation given, but all the men die. Just like that, except for one guy called Yorick, who's an escape, uh, an amateur escape artist, and he has a pet monkey called Ampersand. Uh, Great name. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is one of the reasons I don't want them to do a show because they're not going to be able to train a monkey to do everything Ampersand does, uh, and CGI I think will look bad, but we'll, we'll see. Benefit of the doubt. So as this uh, massive event happens worldwide, he's on the phone to his girlfriend Beth, who's traveling Australia. Yorick's in, uh, I think he's in New York. And he basically sets out to go and find her. But throughout the story, it's, it's a lot to do with what would happen if women did rule the world. You know, a lot of people say it would be better if women ruled the world. But this is a really interesting examination of that because some of them devolve into Amazonian type stuff. Some of them just retreat to the country because they want a quiet life. They want away from all this madness. Some people attempt to rebuild the world with politics. It's a really, really interesting story. And then you've got this through line of York being the last man on earth. So he has to remain hidden. He has to be very careful who he strikes up friendships with. Can he trust them? Because obviously he, he can't make it to Australia on his own. Yeah. He will need help along the way. And uh, it's just it's a remarkably funny story. It's 
it's always got great cliffhangers and best of all it ends superbly it was 60 issues and the ending like i still have the last image in my head of how it ends and it was perfect um on an interesting side note why the last man the first issue it's quite an expensive issue you're talking the guts of 150 to 200 pound really yeah wow. yeah and uh, it might actually go up now because of you know the, the pilot yeah, being announced it, yeah. but my other half vicky she actually bought me the first issue about probably about four years ago but she bought me in what's called a comic graded box so it's like a plastic box and they grade the comic so that if you were trying to sell it worldwide people that's something they can trust they know the condition of it okay as soon as she handed it to me i broke the box open because i wanted to read it you know <laughs> i'd read the story at this point I've, i have it in like graphic novel form but i was like i want to read a number one you know it's that old feeling of you know comic book in your hand piece of piece of magic yeah so so yeah that's now framed it on my wall but nice. i can always take it out of the frame and read it it's the other, re- <laughs> the other reason i took it out of the box <laughs> let the comics breathe uh so yeah so that's as i say that's why the last man that's my personal favorite of all time but uh bring it over to yourself i know you're more of a movie guy than a comic guy but you did tell me before we started this what your pick was and i gotta say good taste yeah uh the new 52 batman series um i uh i think it was my sister actually bought me it uh for christmas one year and i took it on holiday with me one year and literally for but it's a very short issue as you know the very first in it uh but i i sat and read it in about two days or so you know and i i was just like wow you know that's the first time because like i was saying there before we started i haven't read comics since i was a child and back then it would have been the amazing spider-man ones you pick up mm-hmm. eason's every yeah. week you know and i love them but this was the first comic book i sat down with and i was like right okay you know i'm gonna try and get back into this and i absolutely loved it it was you know it was just as, just as dark as what you'd imagine a mm-hmm. good batman comic to be um, it introduced the Court of Isles, which, as we were both saying, is a you know a fantastic villain in this yeah. company or organization. Um, basically, for those of you who haven't read it, I'll try and give a quick recap if I can remember. Uh, so Batman's just you know doing his thing, and through I think it's through discovering something, he realizes there's this organization that exists called the Court of Isles, which is kind of overlooked Gotham and you know for like eternity, you know, it goes mm-hmm. back centuries. And you know he then tries to put a put a stop to them, and it's just really interesting. You know, it's really fun because it's not a big bold villain like yeah. Bane or Joker or Mister Freeze or anything. You know, it's something just a bit more subtle, but yet far more sinister in a sense. Yeah. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So well, well that's it. I mean, I I can take the baton a little bit on this because what we do in the story is we try to make sure we've loads <laughs> of starting points for people. So if they're not really in the comics, but they're looking to get into it, so. Say, for example, someone says, I don't really read comics, but I'd like to get into Batman, where do I start? This is always one of the first ones I recommend, because what was so smart about it was when the new 52 launched, uh, it was Scott Schneider on writing duties and Greg Capullo, who was a big Spawn artist, who um, took over the art duties. And what they did with this story was they created a brand new villain, as, as you said, the, the Court of Isles. It didn't matter if you'd been reading comics for 30 years, or this was your first comic, you knew just as much as the other guy, because you didn't need to know any history because they were presenting you with their history. Yeah. And the reason it was such a great story, this organization, the Court of Owls, are basically Batman's biggest fear because the thing that makes Batman Batman is nobody knows Gotham like him. He knows every nook and cranny. He knows every alleyway. He knows every angle and how to get across the city. So for this organization to have been around for, as you say, over 100 years plus and to have you know, actually been controlling things in Gotham and he's never even heard of them. Like He knows this city. And they've somehow remained hidden. Yeah, it's scary. So this, this is like his biggest fear come to life. And there's this absolutely amazing issue of it. I believe it was issue four. Could be five. I think it's four though. 
um, where the Court of Owls have actually captured Batman and they throw him into this maze. And the, the, what they did that was so clever was they were trying to capture Batman's, you know, the fact that he didn't know his surroundings and he was lost and all this kind of stuff. And there's a part in the maze where you turn the page of the comic and suddenly the image is sideways. So you've got to turn the comic. And then you turn the page again and it's upside. You've got to turn it again. So it was almost like a little bit of fourth wall break, you know, if, you know trying to, you know, conceptualize his, his, you know, his lack of focus and how he was, you know, hindered by this maze. And it, when it was first printed, I, I listened to this story Scott Snyder said. He phoned Greg Capullo up and was like, they've messed up our issue. They've printed it wrong. And he's like... No, Scott, read it in the context of the story. This was a, an artistic decision Capullo did without even consulting <laughs> Snyder. But straight away, Snyder was like, that's brilliant, man. Yeah, yeah. It sort of showed the relationship they had. So, yeah, the, the Court of Owls story is on for 11 issues. It's over the course of two graphic novels. But as I said, if you're ever looking to get into Batman, it's just a wonderful story. It's, uh, it's the kind of story you read, and just to, to cap it all off what we've been talking about, it's the kind of story you read you wish they would adapt for a movie. Yeah. As you say, it's not big budget end of the world stuff. It's a sinister story. It's all set in the shadows. It has all the major players. I mean, the, the first five pages of the Court of Isles is a breakout from Arkham and Batman stopping it. And so you can show all those villains. You can show how they exist in this world, but they're not our focus. We're going over here to this story. So I would love them to do a Court of Isles one. They kind of bastardized it a little bit in one of the animated movies. Oh, okay. Uh, they, they put two storylines together. It didn't really mesh for ah, me. And never good. apparently they're in Gotham now, but Gotham's a show I just don't watch. I can't watch. Um, the reason I don't like... I'll throw it in quickly. Uh, the reason I don't like Gotham is because <clears throat> there's this great theory in Batman comics that Batman creates his own villains. If this guy wasn't stalking the rooftops of Gotham, these crazy people wouldn't be attracted to Gotham. So they want to challenge themselves against Batman. So in a sense, he creates his own villains. In Gotham, all these villains just exist anyway, and Bruce is a boy, so I don't know. I just it's it's not for me. I I know it's a bit of campy fun. Some people love yeah. it. The first season was great, and yeah, but as as it's gone on, I I just stopped. Uh, me and my sister literally watched it week after week. Yeah, and then because I remember they always said you know we're you know Batman's never going to be introduced. It's always going to be focusing on Bruce and mm-hmm. Gordon. You know you're never like the Joker. No, forget about it. You're never even going to see. Oh, what's this night? Oh, some guy called Jerome. Yeah. Jerome Joker. Right. He seems yeah. to smile a lot. Yeah, and yeah, has like he's now created like a group of like the villains, and I think they're called the Horribles. And yeah. literally, it I saw a trailer for the new season, and it pans around the room. You have Penguin, which okay, fair enough. You knew yeah. it was coming. Still good, but then you have like Catwoman and Mister Freeze. Yeah. And uh, the Scarecrow. And it's like, yeah. dude. It's like Bruce Wayne's still a child. Yeah. It's like, what are you? What are you even attempting? They're even accelerating his journey because yeah. don't they have him on rooftops in a gimp mask, um, and <laughs> he's like fourteen up. years old yeah. or something. You it's know, like, it's oh yeah, okay. He just started doing this from like early teens. All right. Like, Whereas you yeah. watch something so remarkably well made and respectful like Batman Begins, and you know he leaves Gotham, he goes to train himself. He you know he he doesn't know where to channel his rage. Whereas in this, it's like oh crap, I better create Batman because all these crazy people exist in Gotham. You know, so it's it's just not a show for me. I no. I've like anybody who enjoys it, that's great. I'll never tell you like try and convince you otherwise. But just for me, you know, there's a great comic series called Gotham Central, and what it does is it focuses on the Gotham City Police Department. So it's all about what it's like to be a cop in this city, surrounded by all these crazy people. This guy in a cape doing your job, but it's all from the cops' point of view. That like Batman just flicks in and out of the story. The Joker flicks in and out of the story. And when Gotham was first announced, I thought it was going to be an adaptation of that. But it's not. And, <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> and 
maybe he's great at it now. I don't know. But to me, Commissioner Gordon in it will always just be a guy out of the OC. Simple as that. <laughs> and that's not Commissioner Gordon to me. Commissioner Gordon is Gary Oldman. That's it. Uh, so, yeah, that's a little rant about Gotham. But, uh, yeah, just to swing it back around, as I say, we're just chatting about our two favourite comics. For me, Why the Last Man? And then, in James's case, uh, the Batman U52 yeah. run. As I say, both stories, absolutely superb. Great examples of, you know, the, the medium itself and ones that we always keep in store. So, uh, yeah, I think we'll maybe just leave it there for the day. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, you know we, we sort of set this up, as I say. The idea behind it was, you know, to have a couple of voices. And, you know, I, this podcast is not a, a thing that I'm very protective of. You know, if people want to come and chat to me or want to get their point of view across or they've read something they've enjoyed or watched something they've enjoyed... Just pop into the store, we'll stick a record on and, you know, I'll post it up. You know, it's with the store, what I like to think we've created is a bit of a community. You know, people who love coming here, people who love just chatting geeky stuff. You know, they know they're not sitting in Starbucks and some, you know, accountant might over, <laughs> some accountant might overhear them and go, you know, grown ass people talking about comic books. You know, we want, we've created that environment. So that's what we want to do. So um, just to finish off, to so say I'm Alan from Coffee and Heroes and I'm James. Find me on YouTube. (laughs) Absolutely. Perfect. Hopefully see you again, guys. Cheers. Bye. Bye.